Good morning, guys. Guess what? He is risen. That's right. I am so glad to be here this morning at 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I'm excited. I'm, I actually am wide awake. I'm excited to be here. Welcome, everyone. I just want to take a short time to just uh, welcome everyone here. And if you're visiting with us, thank you for visiting. And uh, this morning, I just hope you take time to push the world behind us for a little bit. And let's focus on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Good morning. morning. As Chad said, now you guys know, some of you got it, some of you didn't. When I say, he is risen, you answer back, he is risen indeed. But you got to do it loud, because I know I've seen some of you at ball games. I know how loud you can get, especially some of those Burns people. Lisa, I'm talking to you. (laughs) And Noah, and all those Sanders back there. So let me hear it, okay? He is risen. He is risen indeed. There you go. Good job. And he is. We are here to celebrate our risen Savior this morning. And we thank you for being here early. Just a reminder, we do have a different schedule today. We will not have a 1030 service. But after this service, you're all invited to go to our fellowship hall and join us for a fellowship potluck breakfast. And then we will have Sunday school at 930. But we just ask to make yourself at home. Enjoy worshiping our Savior, Jesus Christ, today. Now, we will have communion, as you can see. We're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us and obeying his commandments of doing this in remembrance of him. But we're going to do it a little bit differently today. We are going to actually do this after our invitation time this morning. The reason being is that I want to give everybody the opportunity to know Jesus Christ in a new and personal way today. And I want everybody to have the opportunity to share in the remembrance and the celebration of his sacrifice. But today, today is about his resurrection. Today is about the fact that we serve a living Savior. So as we begin our time together, if you would join me in prayer as we begin our time together this morning. Our blessed Lord, even before time began, you had a plan. Even before you created us, you had a plan. You knew that we would reject you and we would choose our way over your way. We would choose disobedience over obedience. And dear Lord, in doing that, we became your enemy. We became slaves to sin, our own desires. But knowing that, you created us anyway. But you had a plan. You had a plan that spanned the ages, that a Messiah would come. The chosen one, the Lamb of God. And dear Lord, he came in the person of Jesus Christ, 100% God, but 100% man. He walked among us. He dwelled with us. He suffered like us. But dear Lord, he suffered so much more. 
because not only did he willingly give his life to cover our sins as our Passover lamb to shed his blood, but dear Lord, he endured the fact as he was hanging on the cross that you turned your back on your beloved son because he became sin for us. But dear Lord, as he was laid in that cross or in that grave, a miracle happened because he did not stay in that grave. On that morning, three days later, he rose again and now dwells at the right hand of the Father, constantly making intercession for us. And today, dear Lord, we have gathered together as your people, those called by your name, humbly bowing before you and worshiping our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask that you fill this room with your presence, dear Lord. You shake us at our very foundations today through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives will be changed and we will go from this place proclaiming the name of the risen Jesus Christ. That our lives will be changed forever because we have come face to face with God. Have your way with us today, dear Lord, as we worship you. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. And all his people said, Amen. As we begin our time together today, we have been taking up the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions for the last several weeks. Today will be our final day. As of right now, we have not met our goal. We're very close, but we have not met our goal. So we ask that as Sandra comes and leads us in a song, that during this time, if you would come, if you have offering, if God is leading you to give anything toward missions, 100% of this goes to help cover North American missions. It pays for missionaries. It pays for medical outreach. It pays for disaster relief. It, it pays for so many things, but each dollar represents a chance to share the gospel to those in our country, in our county, and in our city. So as we come to leave and we lay our offering, we're going to ask you to come and place it at the foot of the cross in the basket as Sandra leads us this morning in this song. Would you stand as we sing hymn number 160, Low in the Grave. We will sing the first and the third verses as you bring your offering, number 160.
game's awful high again, Nick. <laughs> hey, guys, can I have the kids come forward this morning? Do what? Oh, I wasn't going to. Good morning. All right, so we are not going to go out for children's church this morning, but I did want you guys to come down here and talk to me because I want to know what you guys get excited about? Somebody tell me what you get excited about. Easter, well, that's a good thing to get excited about. That's a very good church answer, Thomas. Good job. You already got Easter Bunny. What do you get excited about, Kara? Spending time with friends and family. And if you look up here, I'm not like playing on my phone. I thought I put my Bible in the car this morning, and I didn't. So I'm reading it off my phone. So just so. <laughs> But there's a lot of things in the world that we can get excited about. But I want to tell you, we're going to talk about Easter morning and how a couple of Jesus' disciples got really excited. And I think this is a cool story because this is written in the book of John. And best we know, John, John wrote that. And he wrote something cool about himself in here. Let's, let's hear this. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, went to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they had laid him. They were kind of excited, kind of scared because they didn't, they didn't realize at first maybe where Jesus had went to. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. John wrote this, and he was sure he put in there that he outrun Peter to the tomb. Isn't that funny? I think that's funny. And he, and, and he stooping down and, and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and, and he saw the linen lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his neck, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and, and he saw and believed as yet they did not know the scripture. He must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went to their went away to their own home again. So the disciples got up on Sunday, on that Easter, first Easter morning, and Jesus had been crucified and hung on a cross. So they were kind of sad. They were, I mean, not kind of sad, they were really sad because their friend had been crucified on the cross. Even though Jesus had been telling them that this was going to happen. You guys ever hear something, maybe your parents tell you something and you just don't listen to it right away? Yeah, Thomas, you're guilty of that. That. That's what the disciples did. And they get there and they realize, you know what? He was gone and he had been risen from the dead. Isn't that exciting? So there's lots of exciting things in this morning, but in this world. But this morning, I want you guys to be excited that Jesus Christ is no longer in that tomb. He is alive and risen from the dead. So I want to... Oh, not an exciting phrase, Thomas. <laughs> so I want to pray, and I'm going to send you guys back to your seats with your parents, and we're going to stay in here this morning, 
And we're going to hear a preacher already talk about it. And we're going to do some uh, the Lord's Supper at the end. So let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these boys and girls. As um, we get excited about things, Lord, I pray that they are excited about an empty tomb, about a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who had died and rose again for our sins. Um, help us to remember that today and every day. We love you and we praise you. All this we ask in his name, Lord. Amen. taught the sun where to stand in the morning who told the ocean you can only come this far and who showed the moon where to hide till evening whose words alone can catch a falling
what an incredible feeling that we have to know that my Redeemer lives. But unfortunately, not everybody believes it. And we're going to look at something that Jesus said today, and it's going to be our jumping off point. But before we get there, it, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. We're going to look at uh, verses 25 and 26. Um, but what is going on here is Lazarus, Jesus' friend, the brother of Martha and Mary, had died. And if you remember, he, ha he was sick. And they called for Jesus, but he died. And he was buried. And he went to go see him. And he, he ordered the tomb to be opened. And his, his sister said, Lord, he's been dead for three days. Surely he stinks by now. And during that whole conversation with Martha, Jesus says these words. As you, if you will stand as I read this, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come humbly before you once again. Dear Lord, thank you for what we read here in your scriptures that Jesus shared with those who followed him. Dear Lord, speak through me today. May lives and souls be changed because of your word today. And it's in your precious name of our living Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here's the thing. Like I said before I started, that, that sometimes in, in around our country and around our world, a lot of people don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. But here's the first point I want you guys to understand. is Why is it so essential for us to believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus? Why is it so important that we believe in that? We believe that He died on the cross. I mean, it's a verifiable fact that He died on the cross. But why is it so important that we believe not in the spiritual resurrection, but the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? Here's the reason why. Because if Christ did not rise from the dead, our faith is useless. Jesus is a liar. The disciples are a liar. And they have perpetrated the greatest hoax in the history of the world. It's not me saying that. It is Scripture that says that. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 14. This is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, 
and your faith also is vain. Paul says that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if He didn't bodily come out of that tomb, that what He is preaching, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, is useless. It's vain. And our faith is vain. It's useless. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of what we say we believe. My faith, when I came face to face with Jesus Christ, when I came face to face with my own sin, with my disobedient life, and I came face to face with the fact that I was messed up and broken, and I could not fix it on my own, when I came face to face with Jesus Christ, my life changed forever. It was turned over upside down. I was on the back pew of the church and I was shaking so hard. I was holding, I was white knuckling it, guys. I was holding on to that front, that pew in front of me so hard because I did not, I was afraid I was going to die. And I knew what I had to do. But my pride was keeping me from doing it. And I was shaking so hard that my brother thought I was having a seizure. And I was shaking that entire pew sitting there. And when we stood up for the invitation and the preacher praying, I was holding on to the back of that pew so hard I was not only shaking the pew I was leaning against, I was shaking the pew in front of me too. And as soon as that preacher said amen, he got that first syllable out of his mouth. Uh, And I was headed down that aisle. And the first words of my mouth is, I cannot take it anymore. I have got to meet Jesus. My faith is not useless. My faith is not in vain because I serve a risen Savior and I know my Redeemer lives. And it's because the belief in the bodily resurrection allows us to understand certain truths about our salvation and our Christian life. And we're going to look at some of those truths. The first one being this. This is the first truth that we come to understand with believing in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number one, our sins are forgiven and our salvation is sealed. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Doesn't say might. Doesn't say maybe. Doesn't say possibly. It says you will. Definitely. No questions. Don't even ask about it. Believe it. Die on it. This is is what's going to happen. You will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So many times we focus at Easter. We focus about what happened on the cross. And it is a vital importance. Because Jesus... Even though he didn't want to, if you remember the prayer in the garden, he says, if there is any other way that this is possible to do this, let it happen. But then he says, not my will, but thy will be done. And he gave himself up. 
he could have called an army of angels to come and surround him and protect him, even to the point, and as I said last week, as they beat him, as they cursed him, as they spit on him, as they, they tortured him, and as they led him to the cross, and as they laid him on the cross, he did not resist. He did not speak out against it. He accepted it. Why? Because of his love for us. And he fulfilled the will of the Father becoming our Passover lamb. And he shed his blood. But all of that, everything that he adored during Passion Week, everything that he endured being nailed to that cross would have been in vain if God had not raised him on the third day. And it's because of His resurrection that we know that our sins are forgiven. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect covering for our sins. And when God looks at us, He does not see us, but He sees the blood. But it's because He resurrected from the grave that our salvation is sealed. We have victory over death, hell, and the grave because of what He did on that third day. When he walked out of that grave, he made it all possible. If he would have stayed there, he would have been just another religious zealot that died for his beliefs. But he is so much more than that. The second thing that we need to understand, the second truth that the resurrection teaches us is that physical death is not the end. Physical death is not the end. If we know Jesus Christ is our Savior and we believe in Him, what does that verse, those verses that Jesus says in John say? If you believe in Me, you shall not die. Even if you die, you're still going to live. Physical death is not the end. Look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54-57. through 57. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have been put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death cannot win. Let me in on, you in on a little secret. The moment you are born, what do you begin to do? Die. Your body begins to break down the moment you're, you're born. Death is something we are all going to face unless the Lord comes and takes us home. We are all going to have to suffer through death. We have all had loved ones that have already died, gone on. Some as children, some as infants, some as adults. But the hope that we have when we know that they accepted Christ as their Savior, the hope that we have that it's not the end and we will be reunited with them. Death does not have victory over us. It is not the end. And we will be reunited around the throne. And let me tell you, 
Those that have already gone on, guess what they're doing right now? They're doing the thing that means the most to God and Jesus because they're singing the song of the redeemed. And they are joining in and they're singing in that saint choir. And we will join them one day doing the same thing because death is not the end. And the third truth and the final truth that we need to realize about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that how we live is important and our lives now have eternal implications. People think that freedom in Christ means we can do whatever we want to whenever we want to. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, God forbid, that's not the way it works. We don't continue living that lifestyle just so that grace can keep, keep coming back and covering us. He says, what what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he says the most important part of that. God forbid. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we need to live like it. Because our lives have eternal implications. Look at Galatians 3, 1-4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. Paul also says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our lives are changed. People are watching us. It is not just our eternity that is affected by our belief in the resurrected Savior. But it's the lives of people that are around us, watching us, listening to us. It is their lives that are impacted by how we live. And how we live and our lives have eternal implications. You guys know the story about Jim Elliott and that group of missionaries that were down in South America. And they were trying to reach this tribe of headhunters that had never been reached with the Gospel before. All their wives stayed back at camp. These men went in to meet with them. And they had started to build a relationship with them. And every single one of them, Jim Elliott and all the rest, were killed. It was devastating news. All of them were dead. Some years later, the the wives of those missionaries continued the effort. And we were able I was able to hear Elizabeth Elliott speak one time, and I got to meet her. Their love of the gospel. And their love to reach people that did not know Jesus Christ was so great that it overcame their pain. It overcame their grief. And that entire village 
came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The ones that had killed and eaten their husbands. They came to know Christ because of the love that these people had. Elizabeth Elliot was one of the most humble ladies I've ever met in my life. And she lived her life in such a way because she knew that her life had eternal implications. She had an impact on countless people because of the way she lived. Church, if we say we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then we need to act like it. We need to live like it. If we believe that our sins are forgiven, that death is not the end, we need to live like it. And we need to get off our rear ends and we need to go out and tell anybody that will listen. It is only through Jesus Christ that we have victory. Now my question is this. Do we really believe this? Do you believe this? 1 Peter 1, 3-5 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Church, let me tell you something. It is because of God's mercy. It is because His love. That if you sneak to the back of the book, guess what? God wins. He won the day that Jesus laid His hands. And He did. I can, I can just picture it. I said this last week. You know, they were those two thieves that were with Him getting nailed to the cross, they had to tie their hands and they had to pull them and, and to hold them down to, to, to get them nailed to the cross. And the precious Lamb of God, our perfect sacrifice, laid His back down and laid down on that that cross, and He just threw His hands out there. He did it willingly. He didn't fight them. He didn't resist them. But it's because of His love that we have this day. And as soon as He laid down on that cross, and they began to nail His hands, And he was hung up there on the cross. And even though they were mocking him, even though they were were casting bets and rolling dice over his clothes to see which soldier could take his clothes, as he laid there, he showed mercy to the thief next to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. And as the ground shook and the, the the day turned to night, And he gave up his 
his spirit and he died on that cross. The curtain that separated the temple separated us from God, from the holy place to the holy of holies. That no one except the high priest was allowed to enter and be before God. That curtain was ripped. Something that no man could do was done when Jesus Christ died on that cross that day. Giving us access to our Father. We had victory. Satan had been defeated at that very point. And quite frankly, Jesus rising from the dead on that third day was just the exclamation point on the Jesus won it all. Exclamation point when he walked out of that tomb that day. And I am sure that as the women went back and told the disciples and John and Peter took off running, that John, the disciple that Jesus loves, as Chad shared today in his children's sermon, that he outran Peter and got to the tomb first. I can just imagine, just like any two young men that had built a relationship like they had, and had clothes, he probably turned around and said, I'm winning, I'm beating you, I get to see Jesus first. You know, that type of thing. But he wasn't there. He wasn't there. Because he was alive. Now church, this is your opportunity to respond to what God is asking you to do. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Scripture is very clear that you need to be right with God. That you need to confess your sins. You need to believe in Him to be able to participate. This is your opportunity to do that. If there is something that you have against a brother or sister in Christ, you need to get that taken care of. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you may know Him here, but you have never made Him Lord of your life and let Him change your life from the inside out, if you've never done that and accepted Him as your Savior, this is your opportunity to do that. If you've done that and haven't been baptized, being obedient to Him, we're not ready to baptize today, but you can come forward and become a a candidate for baptism, and we will baptize you next Sunday. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, this is your opportunity to do it. The altars are open. As Sandra and the musicians come to lead us in victory in Jesus, this is your opportunity to come and take care of of anything that God is asking you to do. Don't leave this place today without doing that. Just be obedient. Being here, listen, being here is not about us. We are not here for us. We're here to glorify and worship our Savior Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's about Him.
Let Him have His way with you today as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing hymn number 426, Victory in Jesus, 426. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacrifice that You made, as we remember Your body being broken and Your blood being shed, dear Lord, may we not receive this lightly, but dear Lord, will we do this in remembrance of our risen Savior? And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You see, this past Friday, not only was it Good Friday... It was also the start of Passover. The Passover feast that Jesus celebrated with His disciples on the night of His arrest and trial. It was the start of the Passover. It was where the Lamb, the perfect Lamb, was chosen, was killed. And in Egypt, on the very first Passover, the blood was placed on the door frames and the top of the door frame, either side of the door frame. And as the angel of death came and passed over Egypt, killing every firstborn child and firstborn animal in the land of Egypt, God would see the blood on the door frame and He would pass over that house that you see our living Savior, our Passover lamb, His blood was shed for us to cover our sins, 
to give us victory over death. And when God looks at us now, He doesn't see our sin, but He sees the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus says, to do this in remembrance of Him. That we celebrate His sacrifice. And we cannot celebrate His resurrection without honoring the sacrifice that He made on that day.
And as the disciples and Jesus had gathered in the upper room, he took the bread and he blessed it. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what this represents. This bread represents your body. And dear Lord, the abuse that it took for us, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And as he blessed it, he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat.
Jesus took the cup and he blessed it. Dear Lord, we come before you once again, praising the name of Jesus Christ for what this cup represents and the covering of our sins. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. And he took that cup and before he passed it, he said, this is my blood that is spilt for you. Take and drink. And then it said that they gathered together and they, they sang a hymn and departed. So we're going to finish singing a verse of victory in Jesus before Joe, our deacon of the week, dismisses us in prayer and also blesses our food. I do need to ask you one thing. Please, everyone is invited to stay and join us for breakfast in our fellowship hall. Please allow our senior adults and those that need a little extra time uh, move, leave first and go in. We are, we're going to bless it before we leave here this morning. But thank you for being here. And one last time, He is risen. He is risen thank you. Would you stand as we sing the third verse of Victory in Jesus, page 426, that third verse. I heard an angel, he has built for me.
But until that time comes, Lord, you have told us to live as a good a life as we can and to make disciples of other people throughout the world. So, Lord, as we depart from this place, may we keep that promise. Lord, we pray that you would bless the food and the loving hands that prepared it as we partake of this meal. And, Lord, may we go out from this place and spread the love of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.